This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by IHS Markets Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personal engagements with experts. All right. Welcome back to Energy Sense, an IHS market podcast covering all things on the intersection of energy and finance. This is your host, Hill Vaden, and I'm here today with Edward Sala de Vedruna to talk about clean tech. Edward, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks. Good. So this we, we've been trying to coordinate this call for uh, for a couple of weeks now, but this is on the back of, of a top 10 list that, that you and your team put together, which is always kind of a, a, a daring exercise leading into a new year. And it's we're fortunate. I don't know if you were paying too close attention to this, you, you being outside of the US, but this week was also the NBA top 75 best players ranked as part of the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend. Any and surprise? There was some, I looked at the list and I didn't think there was a surprise, but there was, uh, I was curious about number 76. And so I was <laughs> looking at Twitter to see where people were upset. And surprisingly, Dwight Howard is the consensus number 76 that people thought should have been in the 75. But I think he's an easy one to not include in the 75. So uh, as I just gave you a heads up a few minutes ago that I, I want to get your number 11 on the top 10 at the end of this podcast. Sure. Um, let me think about it. Yeah. But before then, so, so th- th- this is a, a top 10 list that, that has been, we, we made it available, uh, but both in the public domain and given a little bit more detail to, to clients as well. So so it is accessible to, to people who want more information on the full list of 10. We're only going to focus on what I think four that, that I've highlighted as being particularly interesting to me during the next year to, to to watch. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, distributed generation consolidates to represent 45% of all new solar PV additions. And this is somewhat timely. There, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal this weekend about how there's more residential investment in batteries and solar, particularly in the U.S., as the grid is having reliability concerns. So I want to get your thoughts and a little bit more detail on this distributed generation or, or the rise of distributed generation or DG and, and, and why 2022 uh, that, that trend accelerates. Well, I think that when we think about distributed generation, I think that we, we have to keep in mind what are the drivers right, uh, of, of DG to happen. And they can be reliability of the power system, as you alluded to. Uh, in some cases, it's about... Um, yeah, and linked to a security of supply. In some cases, it's more about uh, people willing to have their own independence in terms, and this is true in some parts of the US. In other parts of the world, it's linked just to uh, the very high cost of electricity. Really, it's about how do you offset very high retail prices, and then uh, distributed generation is a good way of doing that. Another trend that we are seeing right now as well, and it's linked more to the difficulties that you have in some parts of the world to develop large-scale PV systems, is that sometimes it's easier to develop on the roofs of uh, of buildings, on the roofs of houses, right? As that's true in some then very densely uh, populated uh, cities, right? It's easier uh, to pass legislation or policies that incentivize the build out of rooftop PV 
you have as well energy efficiency mandates uh, that force people uh, to build or to install uh, solar panels on the roofs of the buildings. And all that together, I think that it has accelerated the build out in 2021. And we expect that this acceleration will continue in 2022. We expect that distributed generation will still grow by 20% in, in, in 2022. And one thing that is noticeable is that it might not be a surprise is that 60% of the capacity that we anticipate is going to be built in 2022 is going to come just from two markets in the world. It's going to come from China and it's going to come from Germany. We are going to have a lot of development as well happening in other markets like the US or France uh, or Brazil, but the two main contributors to the growth are going to be China and Germany. In terms of the installed PV or in terms of the... In terms of distributed generated uh, PV systems. Okay. So a small scale. And basically that means rooftop, that can be rooftop can be in the houses, but can be as well what we call uh, CNI commercial and, and, and industrial. So industries that decide or, co or commercial uh, premises that decide to install PV panels uh, on the roofs. We're talking what, here about systems below five megawatt of capacity. What led to or what has led to those two leading things in 2022? I guess China is somewhat intuitive since it's such a large population, but. I think I think it has to do a lot with the price spikes that we saw for power. Uh, if you think about uh, Europe, and when you see the gas prices going up, uh, we have seen our prices as well mm -hmm. uh, increasing uh, dramatically, uh, forcing even some governments to think about changing the market rules to control our price increases that translate later on in very high retail prices. These retail prices, at the end, are the benchmark for distributed generated solar. At the end of the day, when you think about a larger scale solar that is selling the electricity to the wholesale market, the benchmark is going to be the wholesale price. When you think about a distributed generated system, the benchmark price is going to be the retail price that is higher than the wholesale price. So even if it's more expensive because of the scale and the complexity of installing on a roof, it's more expensive. The distributed generated solar is more expensive than utility scale solar. The benchmark in terms of price, it's as well higher. And that's the retail price. And then we have seen spikes uh, in 2021, quite considerable in terms of uh, power prices. And that mm -hmm. has accelerated uh, some decisions around building distributed generated uh, solar. So it's it's February 22nd, so still relatively early in the year. But, but obviously, since this was published, there's been a lot of, call it change, or the, the gas price situation in Europe, and particularly with Ukraine, Russia, and all of that. Is there a chance that our what is an aggressive forecast becomes even more aggressive um, as perhaps more of Europe wants to uh, move toward DG? Well, I think so, because I think that when people think about when you make one of these decisions, right, you always take into consideration if the situation that is convincing you to make this decision is going to last or not. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, when the first uh, price spikes happen in 2021, People thought it was going to be a short-term issue, and we thought that it was going to be just about the winter, right? And because of the high demand of gas and gas prices going up. And then we thought that the the, the prices were going to go down and the situation was going to ease. All the indicators don't seem to suggest that the situation is going to get better. 
as a result some people that might maybe were holding or were waiting before making the decision now uh, they will be making the decision so we as you said what what we think was at the beginning of the year at the end of last year an optimistic forecast might be now a conservative uh, a conservative forecast that's for sure well, so so an, another forecast or another one of the predictions r relates to this and, and i think maybe throw some potentially so some water, I guess, on, on the uh, on the optimism, but supply chain woes drive solar manufacturing closer to, to markets. So, given the supply chain challenges of 2021 in particular, uh, I guess first is that kind of easing, and if we want it to be more aggressive in that DG forecast, can we be? And then two, how does the proximity to market change this year? I think, Hill, that when you think about DG or the cost of DG versus retail prices, I think that you have to think about that not in absolute terms, but more in relative terms, right? Um, what we have seen is, of course, uh, the cost of solar has increased significantly in 2021, and we we expect that the situation will continue uh, this year. Uh, because we had tight uh, supply chain, we had uh, problems, a shortage of polysilicon, and all that impacted cost of freight as well, impacting the cost of solar PV. But what is important as well is that despite the cost of the technology increased uh, in 2021, the cost of the alternatives increased uh, mm -hmm. more than the cost of solar. And as a result, when you look at the increase in retail prices that have been uh, considerably higher than the increases of the cost of uh, of the technology, uh, this continues to support uh, an, uh, an adoption of distributed generation. So people will continue to shift to distributed generation solar just because the retail prices or the delta between the cost of DG generation and, and the retail prices continue to uh, justify this, uh, the, this switch. And then on top of that, I think that you alluded to that when you were mentioning the title of the second trend, is that what we are seeing is that in 2021, we saw prices going up, but at the same time, we think that there are uh, some developments that will alleviate this uh, this shortage in the supply chain. We are seeing uh, new policy capacity ramping up. That's important, a little bit earlier than planned, and that's always the case, right? You have plans to increase your manufacturing capacity. There is a shortage, prices go up, and then because the prices are higher, that accelerates timing of construction, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Investors decide to, to bring to market their capacity earlier just because the delta, the premium that they can get, it's higher. So what we are seeing is that there has been an acceleration of the build out, and this is going to have a positive impact on the supply chain. We have seen as well new wafer uh, players getting into the market. We have seen as well some policy positive news like uh, in China, for example, uh, solar panel manufacturers are not being impacted by controls of power. So they don't have, they are not going to have to face uh, power restrictions. And this is positive. On the other hand, you have uh, the trade barriers uh, yeah. that continue to be important and, and some geopolitics, uh, politics-related decisions that are moving some manufacturing outside of China. We are seeing uh, policies to build back better infrastructure build can become a driver of uh, some manufacturing moving uh, back to the US and moving out of China. We are seeing as well India, India increasing their manufacturing capacity. It's important to keep in mind that India is the second largest market, uh, so it's it's not it's not irrelevant 
if India uh, starts to build its own uh, supply chain. But at the same time, what we are seeing is that Chinese manufacturers to uh, avoid the sanctions, what they are doing is that they are starting to move some of their manufacturing capacity outside of the China soil and just to okay. start producing outside of China just to be able to, to comply with the requirements that the U.S. Uh, uh, imposes. So I think it's important. We are seeing in 2022, uh, we think, uh, and we already have seen some announcements of cell wafers and module capacity uh, moving into India, the United States, uh, some European markets. Southeast Asian countries, and we think that this is going to continue as uh, as basically the supply chain adapts to the to the market conditions. The supply chain is not something that you can treat as in an isolated way. It responds to geopolitical tensions. It responds as well to the best cost location. So um, what we are seeing now, and we think that this is going to continue, is a reshuffle of the of the supply chain just to deal with uh, with the market conditions. And so what's the some of the timing on that, that, that if I put out an announcement today that I was building, you know, bringing my manufacturing closer to markets, let's say bringing manufacturing from China to, to the US, from press release to having that manufacturing online, is that two years? Is that one year? It can be. It, it depends a little bit on what is the equipment that you are going to be manufacturing, but it, the time the time to market is relatively short, right? It's okay. between one, one year and two years you can have uh, plant polysilicon it's a little bit it takes a little bit longer but i would say it's a supply chain the solar supply chain wind it's a little bit of a different story but the solar ch supply chain is a supply chain that can be very reactive um, that's why we are seeing every year manufacturing capacity increasing all over the world and uh, and following or even anticipating uh, the market growth right or the demand growth uh, mm -hmm. it's re it's really a very reactive uh, supply chain and so we're expecting the actual output of manufacturing to have an impact and be closer to to, to market th this year, or, or is it more of announcements? Um, I think what we are, I think what we are going to say uh, to see mainly our announcements, uh, okay. and I think that maybe the physical flow is going to happen a little bit later. Okay, in a significant way. All right, so, so we're going to transition out uh, of so solar from the top 10 list and, and move into to batteries. And the, the sixth prediction for 2022 or 23 was downward trajectory of lithium-ion batteries cost to halt with higher prices for energy storage systems set to continue throughout 2022. Um, and as we were talking before we started recording, that this is captured in headlines as recently as today uh, about Tesla shifting a lot of its operations to lithium iron batteries, which are, I think, less efficient, but cheaper for exactly the reasons that I guess we're expecting lithium ion cost improvement to delay. Can you talk a little bit more about that? About the announcement of the fact that the costs are going to to halt uh, in, in 22. And uh, because I think that maybe one thing that I would like to mention when we talk about uh, the cost decline of batteries or the cost trajectory or the downward trajectory to to halt. I think what is important is that despite the cost of lithium ion battery increased by something between 10 and 20% in the last months of last year, uh, towards mm -hmm. the end of last year, we saw a really a spike in, in cost. Despite this 10, 20% cost increase, the total cost in 2021 was lower than the, the cost in 2020. So I think that that gives you an idea okay. of the level of uh, how rapidly uh, costs were declining for batteries. 
What we are seeing here is more of a flattening of the cost. Is that what we are seeing is that the costs are going to flatten? We are maybe we are to going to talk about the three percent cost increase compared to 2021 in 2022. And we expect that 2023 we are going to get back to 2021 levels. So at the end, we what we are talking is more of I would say a slowdown of the downwards trajectory really than a complete break on the trajectory. It's just a plateau that we consider that is all we think that is going to uh, to continue with the downwards trajectory afterwards. And I think that you are bringing a very good point here. It's about what we when we talk about batteries, we are talking about batteries and the announcement that I was making, it was more of the trend. We are talking about batteries for power systems. Okay. And I think that one thing that people and we cannot forget is that the main driver of the batteries cost reductions from a demand standpoint is going to be the autos industry. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, a choice like Tesla's choice in terms of technology is going to have a significant impact uh, on the cost of batteries used for storage purposes, right? For power storage purposes, because the power industry is a taker in terms of price, because it's such a small piece of the pie that really it's a price taker. There is very little that the power industry can do, but uh, taking the price that is going to be set by the supply and demand link to electrical vehicles. And do these shifts for 2022, are we expecting more longer term implications? Uh, again, on, on the Tesla example, I think they're going from lithium ion to lithium iron. Uh, iron. And iron is shorter in duration, correct? And yep. less efficient. Is that a short-term move that then things go back to normal once prices start to improve again, or, or are these? I, I cannot comment specifically about Tesla's decision. I don't know if mm -hmm. this is a long-term decision or just a short-term decision to cope with the, with the price increases. I don't have enough information on that. What I can tell you is that in terms of the energy storage systems, Clearly, this is going to the cost declines that we are seeing, or the, the, the cost, I would say, is stagnation, cost decline and stagnation mm -hmm. that we are seeing in 2022 and that we expect to continue in 2023. This is something that, in our view, is going to end in 2023, at the end of 2023, and we are going to see cost declines to continue. Because at the end of the day, this is an industry that is driven by uh, the demand, as I said. Right. And uh, if we continue to see demand for EVs to continue to be solid, uh, just because in that particular case, companies like Tesla decide to shift technology and to continue to sell cars, because at the end of the day, this is the ultimate goal, uh, we will continue to see the cost of the batteries going down and the power system is going to clearly benefit from, from that trend. Yeah, and well, but one thing that is important as well, the scale up of the lithium iron phosphate, the LFPs, right? I think that it comes with a little bit of a flip side, right? Because one of the things is that we see uh, China becoming important, right? I think that this is important. We are going to see some of these uh, of the Chinese manufacturers starting to be able to produce this technology, uh, the LFP batteries. And then uh, this is going to be important because we are going to see the cost declines that I was mentioning are going mm -hmm. to be facilitated by the fact 
that you're going to have more manufacturers producing this technology, okay. right? And as we are going to see the Chinese manufacturers getting in and producing this technology, we expect that this will help to drive uh, costs down uh, post-2023. For both lithium-ion and lithium-iron yeah. phosphate? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And so we're not expecting much consumer negative consumer response over the next I think no in fact in fact when you think about the one of the questions right it's the has this price increase impacted your forecast of capacity and then I'm going to say yes right and then you look at me and you say well okay Edward so that me that's normal prices are going up mm -hmm. so projects are delayed but I would like to maybe be a little bit more specific about the causes of the delays most of the delays that we have seen in terms of projects have been of hybrid projects. And hybrid projects is basically solar plus batteries. Okay. And, and the main driver of the delay has been the price increases in the solar equipment rather than the batteries. And is that because solar represents a higher percentage of the absolute price to begin with? That's one reason. And the second is because the cost increase of solar has been higher than the cost True. increase of, uh, of batteries. Okay. But I think that that's important because answering your question, had these cost increases impacted the number of projects that we have seen moving forward? I would say not really. Mm -hmm. The ones that have been impacted have been impacted by something else. Interesting. Yeah. So still a lot of tailwinds on the battery front in spite of the stagnation of cost. Exactly. Exactly. Of course, declines. Stagnation of oh. cost decline because yes. the cost continues to be lower. And I, I low, and I think that, and then I would say all the views co uh, converge to the fact that these cost declines will continue and will resume post 2023. Okay. All right. So moving into to the the last headline that we were going to cover today, CCUS gains traction as a decarbonization solution for a wider group of regions and industries. And then CCUS, relative to the other two that we've talked about, CCUS is one of the more immature clean tech technologies in terms of commerciality and scaling at least uh, relative to the growth that we've seen in solar and batteries. So I wouldn't call CCUS as immature technology. I would call it an immature supply chain in okay. the sense that I don't think that the mature, the technology is immature, the mature, the technology is known and the technology has been there for some time. I agree with you that it's immature in terms of a scale. It's mm -hmm. immature in terms of cost, and that, that, that's mainly driven by the fact that you don't have enough developments. But the technology itself, the technology understood as the solution, it's a solution that is well known. It's just that the, that, that the supply chain is not there, the demand is not there, and as a result, the scale that you, that you were alluding to is not there. So that's why it's very important. A lot of the policy support that we are seeing that really what it tries is that to bring scale to the industry, right. I think is very important. And that was interesting to see in 2021 that uh, the pipeline of uh, CCUS projects increased by uh, nearly 30% uh, in 2021. And that's, that's, that's not negligible because uh, what, we are, what we have seen is an acceleration of the projects. We have seen a really uh, governments taking the lead in that and, and committing uh, several uh, millions uh, or billions, in fact, uh, of, of dollars into developing this sector. And this is a good sign. This is a good sign because at the end of the day, back to your point, what the industry needs is a scale, a scale that it's in the form of uh, projects moving forward. And at the same time, I think that one element that as well, it's very important 
is a cluster approach. So what we have seen is uh, countries developing what we call uh, hubs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, trying to concentrate the demand for this technology in a limited space, creating hubs in order to reduce the total cost of, uh, of the CCUS projects. And this is something that we saw in the UK. And, and we think that these announcements, uh, these hubs announcements will continue in 2022. And this, uh, this is going to be a main driver for the acceleration of CCUS. As a, as, a, as a technology, as a, as a more mature technology. And is it Europe that you think is going to drive the advances in 2022? Uh, well, I think, I think when you look at uh, where is CCS, uh, CCUS happening, I think that yes, North America and Europe will continue to lead the market. Uh, that's no doubt is where most of the pipeline is right now. So yeah, um, North America and Europe will continue to lead the, the growth. That doesn't mean that in the long term it's going to be just about the European and and, and North American story. Uh, we do believe that Asia uh, will require quite a lot of CCUS capacity to be deployed, uh, notably linked to the decarbonization of the power industry, but as well the decarbonization of some uh, carbon intense industries like steel, for example, uh, or cement. Okay. All right, we are coming up on the, the top of the promised time, um, so I want to be sensitive of your time and just remind everybody who's listening that you covered four of the top 10. Um, if you want to hear or see the other top 10, the, the information is in the public domain, and you can reach out to us at energysense at ihsmarket.com, and we can help direct you to this uh, report. But before we let you go, Edward, number 11. Uh, what what was the <laughs> the hardest part of the list is cutting off numbers uh, that, that that don't get into that top ten. So, so what was number eleven that that had the, the closest chance of getting into the top ten? You you're absolutely right. We made a huge effort trying to concentrate the trends into ten, and in fact we merged some of the trends that we saw into more mega trends, and we ended with this ten. I think that one trend that it's very important and impacts the other 10 that we have here in the list is the significant appetite of the financial community to invest in clean tech. Mm -hmm. This is something that 2021 has been, this is something that is not new and that there is an appetite from the financial community. But 2021 to me has been a year of where we have seen the consolidation of this trend, right? We have seen uh, significant announcements being made. We are seeing uh, money uh, looking for projects. There are There is more money available in the market than projects are available uh, for some technologies. And I think that this is, a, this is, a, this is a, an important trend that is going to lubricate the system and it's going to, uh, to accelerate uh, yeah, uh, the build out of uh, clean energy technology uh, going forward. And we expect this trend, I, I personally expect this trend to accelerate even further in 2022. And clearly this is going to have a, a very positive impact uh, on the other 10 uh, trends that we identified in this paper. All right, that sounds like a great place to leave it. Edward, I know you're busy, so thanks so much for making time. And uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime. Oh, thanks a lot, Hill, for inviting me and for the conversation. It has been a pleasure as always. Thanks so much. Thanks. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? 
email our podcast team at energysense at ihsmarket.com. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.